This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. In this episode of the Doctor Who Podcast, we find ourselves buried in the ice with the Warriors from Mars. Welcome, listeners. We have a full camper van today. All four of us are here. This is amazing. Uh, and I feel already I'm not going to get a word in edgewise. Yeah, this is how it works. I mean, uh, I can't find my mug. I, I, one of you guys has had my mug. Uh, I knew this, this was bound to happen. I'm going to have to buy a new mug now, aren't I? You are, but then again, that's less important than the place being redecorated. Of course, I don't like it. <laughs> this is a little bit of a moment, really, isn't it? The first time that all four of us have managed to be in the camper van at the same space-time coordinates. It's uh, it, it's quite a moment, this, despite Stephen being on board now for, what, three months? Feels like three years, Stephen. Has it been three months? <laughs> I don't know. It feels like a long time. Are you just picking <laughs> random figures out of the out of the air there? Yeah, well, that's what I do when I review Doctor Who, so why not? It's just, just a, a, a general life maxim, really. I'm a little Welcome concerned on. about the uh, level of condensation in the camper van. Uh, we've only been here, for, sort of setting up for about half an hour, and uh, it's like a tropical rainforest. <laughs> 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 Any Sorry. more Ice Warrior impressions before we carry on? Oh, I'm no, sure there'll be loads more. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon so. Now, I'll tell you, we could actually have quite a good DWP competition here because... Clearly, it's audio. It's quite difficult to differentiate each Ice Warriors uh, impression. So perhaps if we do four, there you go, and you can send in emails to say which order that we did them in. <laughs> oh, that, now there, there's an off-the-cuff competition. I, I like that. Go on then. How about that? Good. Okay, That's now good. without saying you go first and giving it away, someone go first. I am Ice Warriors. Number two. Number three. I think someone's just gone to sleep. And number four. <laughs> now, you know what's going to happen. We're going to have loads of entries here, and we're not going to remember who did what. Uh-huh. And one of those sounded very wet. Has <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody got a cold? <laughs> I think someone sounded asleep as well, so fantastic. <laughs> yes, indeed, listeners, you may have figured out that Ice Warriors are going to be the subject of this DWP. Uh, the Ice Warriors has recently been released on DVD with episodes two and three animated. So it's possible to watch this story, well, not not quite as it was transmitted, but uh, as close as we're going to get, at least for the time being, bearing in mind last week's episode. Where is Jorok? <laughs> The ice. I give you your life. You run away. Because of that, one of my men is dead. Honestly, it wasn't my fault. Take her inside. You're not going to kill me, are you? It's 1967. This is the third story in season five. Um, it's Patrick Troughton's second season as the, as the Doctor. And it's, this is his first real TARDIS crew. He's got Jamie. He's got Victoria. Now, not long from now, Victoria is going to leave. But the group is getting into its stride. Troughton is 
is the Doctor. The draw isn't the Doctor, it's the Monster of the Week format. Up against Tomb of the Cybermen, which started the season, then the Abominable Snowman, the Ice Warriors... It's it's got all the hallmarks of being good. Do you know what? It's not unlike Matt Smith's second season. He's just getting into it. The writers know how to write for him. The uh, the crew know, know know how to work with a leading man. The, the company is assembled, but they're just le- but they're just getting into the habit of doing what they do. There's not a dud performance amongst them. It's just it feels not quite finished, which is odd given that Team of the Cybermen and I don't know what order they were recorded in, is so accomplished. Um, when we see, you know, when we meet the Ice Warriors again, and when we get into the th- when we get into the third season, so we get into things like the Mind Robber and the Invasion. Then yes, the you know this this crew is firing on all cylinders, but the end is in sight by then. So for its time, it's an interesting piece because it should be it should be the str- one of the strongest stories that the Second Doctor ever told. But as it turns out, it's just. Not even by numbers. It's it, it's kind of it almost feels perfunctory. But then you've got some really strong performances in the monsters as well. I mean, I'm not sure where else we could look inside Doctor Who for such sympathetic and um, honourable adversaries. Maybe the Draconians, but you know, mostly most of the monsters are very very one dimensional. The Ice Warriors, as we even saw. Um, in last season, when um, when Matt Smith met them, I've got an awful lot to them. I uh, I was quite excited about this one because this is one of the ones I hadn't seen. Uh, so so I'd never um, I'd never got the uh, 1998 video uh, with the with the reconstructed uh, sort of precy of episodes two and three. Uh, so I was really excited. You know, this this was brand new Troughton for me, uh, and it starts off really really well, um, but. Um, <laughs> it doesn't really bode well. That's, that's, that's the most backhanded compliment I've heard you come out with in a while. It, it does. It, it looks very good. It, it starts off very well. It's got Trouton in it, so you know, I'm, I'm going to watch it. Uh, and uh, there's some wonderful performances. Uh, it sort of centres around. Uh, it's set in the future. There's been a global sort of environmental catastrophe, which, funnily enough, it is the opposite of what we're experiencing. And that was the first thing I noticed that the, the, the ice caps are advancing rather than uh, melting and retreating. Uh, so I thought that was interesting because it's it's relatively recent history uh, and they had a completely different idea of how uh, carbon dioxide in the atmosphere was going to affect the planet. Um, but it's it's fitting, really, that it should be about glaciers because uh, the plot does become somewhat glacial uh, midway through. <laughs> what, you mean it just kind of collapses? <laughs> well, yeah, it, it um, moves about the same pace. <laughs> okay. But uh, in, interesting that you, you've not seen this before. It's regarded, rightly or wrongly, as, as a bit of a classic. Um, did, did you get any sense of that beyond the point where you say it collapsed? No. Uh, okay. I, uh, the, the performances, there's some wonderful performances. The guy who plays Clint, uh, who is the, sort of the central, I suppose he's sort of the central human bad guy, that's, is a, is a, that's a wonderful performance. Peter uh, Barkworth. I mean, mm. Yes, yeah, and he, he's put some serious thought into that performance. Now, I, I like that. It's, it's sort of nudging, nudging the chewing scenery, but, uh, but I'm, I'm not averse to that. Uh, we've got Peter Salis, who plays uh, yeah, uh, from Wallace and Gromit fame and Last of the Summer Wine in this country. Uh, who, I mean, th- there's some really wonderful performances, and it looks really good, but it's it just feels it, it plods like the uh, like the Ice Warriors do for me. So, is uh, here's my question for you because I I I know where you're coming from, but I felt like <laughs> I felt like it was the animated episodes that were the that were that slowed the whole thing down. Where if it were, you know, if I were watching actual people doing things and running around, it probably would have been a little bit more uh, interesting. But I, I, and not to not to 
not to uh, knock the restoration team or anything like that or whoever uh, animated this because you know the, it's I know they have no budget and they they do a, a brilliant job of what they have but I just can't I just can't get into the 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 flash animation from like 1995 that these are made with basically and hmm. it's so not dynamic it's like watching scooby-doo um and and that was great when i was a kid but <laughs> as an adult it just kind of doesn't hold up and so i i really i really struggled to get through episodes uh, uh two and three that were animated but then it, it picked up again um and and i did i i actually really love this story and I, even though i didn't quite understand what what they were trying to stop at the glaciers advancing and the whole you know the, the scientific portion of it kind of went over my head a bit but um but I really liked it, uh, and and it's Patrick Troughton, and it's he, he's just brilliant. Period, and and uh, you know, and and uh, I was uh, Jamie gets taken out of the action a bit too much, but um, but he's there, and and when he's there, he's great, and the interactions between Jamie and Victoria are fantastic, and um, yeah, I can, I mean, I can definitely see why this why this is considered a classic. I can't. I really can't. I'll tell, in fact, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why it's considered a classic. It's because no one's seen it for forty years. If, if someone had actually been able to watch this and look back at it, I'll, t- I'll, what, what, I'll tell you what it is. It's a very good example of Doctor Who from its time, which might sound like a bit of a silly and obvious thing to say, but it's very much of its time because it's not designed to be watched in one go. It's designed to be watched over a period of weeks, and you're meant to forgive it for what it for what it actually is. Um, you've got. Bernard Breslau is the giant ice warrior in this. Um, you've got um, the second Troughton Tardis team. Or it could be argued the first Troughton Tardis team because it's the first one that only he saw. It's the one that first one that only saw he saw. Um, Deborah Watling, heart-stoppingly beautiful as Victoria mm. Waterfield in her time. Uh, Jamie, I can see. I can see why Fraser Hines was uh, was a big hit with the girls. And Patrick Troughton is being the Doctor. But you've both. Uh, excused the slowness of this by saying, "Oh, it's got Troughton in it." And you know, I did that. I thought, "Yes, it's got Patrick Troughton in it. He is my favourite Doctor by a long chalk, and he's my favourite actor of, of. They're all great actors, but he's my favourite Doctor actor. It must be said. Um, but it's just so slow and so plodding. Some of the sets are fantastic. Um, I forget the name of the female lead, the non-female lead regular. Uh, let me let me just look that up. Oh, it's Gif- Wendy Gifford is the actress, oh. uh, and it's Miss Garrett. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, very, very beautiful. Some great set designs, some incredible costume designs. Yeah, um, I, the, loved, the, I loved the costumes. Yes. Yeah, me too, me too. And I don't normally notice that kind of thing. So yeah, and the and the idea of the Ice Warriors and it's it's quite it is 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 very it's highly original. To be honest, it's well, I've just noticed actually there's been a set another set of DVDs released um, the behind the sofa lot. So the, there's Davros, the Daleks, Cybermen, um, mm. and so on. But the Ice Warriors, I think, are kind of conspicuous by their absence. They've they've had a couple of sh- they they have shown up in Doctor Who a couple of times, even in the Peladon stories. But I digress. Um, it's it, 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 I wanted to see some new Patrick Troughton. I got that, but I've got to be honest. I, I, and I've uh, all credit to the to the animators. I couldn't animate that. I would I wouldn't know where to start. And I'm very grateful to have it. But one of the extras on the DVD on the DVD, sorry, is the cut down, pushed together, loose canon re- uh, reconstruction of those missing episodes. And do you know what? It moves a lot faster and it's a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's like the Galaxy uh, Galaxy Four ones where they you, they they cut out certain portions and yep. and you end up with this um, sort of boiled down pacey. Um, which is what a lot of the old 60s who suffers from. It, 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 it plods. 
I mean, I the, the the last thing I want to do is 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 say the same thing again and again. But uh, so I'll I'll term it a different way then. Tom, did you watch it one episode at a time, or did you did you watch the whole lot back to back? Um, I watched it over period of period of days as quickly as I could, um, and it was just honest. But don't get me wrong, I I, I loved seeing anything any excuse to see Patrick Troughton acting in Doctor Who, um, and, just, and to see the interplay between those characters, I I I, I leap at. But I, but with this, what I I've tried to separate my simple joy of seeing my favourite Doctor moving around on screen and saying lines um, and thought, actually, is this any good? Um, mm. And it's, it's a great idea, but it's just way too long. Way too would, long. Would it have made any difference had you seen, let's say, one episode a week as, as it was transmitted back in 67? Um, I suspect... Mm, difficult question. If I'd seen it in 1967, my expectations would be different. But in 2013, I expect a lot more to happen a lot more quickly. I think uh, I can, and, I, can, and, I, can and, I can shed some light on this because I did follow your advice and it's the first time I've managed to sort of curtail my okay. urge to um, you know to hit play all and and watch the whole thing as a as a mini movie and and I did I followed your advice and I've been watching it oh. um, well I, I think I pre-ordered it so it arrived the day it was released so I probably had it three it three three weeks to a month now something like that yeah yeah and, I, and I've been watching it since then uh, and, and it's still slow isn't it you're going to say it's still slow oh yes yeah very very slow <laughs> uh, I, and and that, that made me really realise how slow it must actually be because I was just doing it in bite sized chunks and. I mean, there are some really wonderful bits to it, set pieces. I mean, the, the opening scene it is wonderful. I thought this was getting off to, and, and the, I suppose to some extent, the opening episode is is fabulous, and, and it's a good setup, and it's it's pacey, and you're introduced to the main characters, and they're well written and they're well characterised. And, and if I if I can give it one sort of good thing about its slowness is you, you do get some nice opportunities for character development. Um, some of the characters, some of the Sort of supporting oh please! Characters. Jamie gets paralysed partway through episode three, and it's like he's been—it's like he's been struck down since episode oh, one. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, but, but I know Jamie. I don't need his character. Uh, I already know him. I mean, it's quite nice um, <laughs> pen, to have Penley, and is it Penley? Penry? Yeah, um, yeah, Penley, yeah. Peter yeah, Sayers' character, he, he, along he was, with um, he was really nice. Uh, uh, Penley's beard was was probably the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Well, looking at that, <laughs> looking at that painted on beard, like it was some sort of hobo. I expected him to have a, uh, uh, you know, a stick with a with a hanky on the end of it. Well, this this was shoulder. it. This was it. I mean, the character is meant to be portrayed as a, a scavenger, or he's gone to join the scavengers, mm. or the loyalists, or whoever. Well, I can't remember what faction it is now. But it, it's almost as if you know, a, a quite refined, well-spoken actor has been tried to make, you know, rather unconvincingly look like a, a, a vagrant. And uh, I, I don't think it really works. I know the character is supposed to be a, a, a scientist who's um, lost faith with uh, with everyone at the centre or the dome. Again, I can't remember what it was called now. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I didn't feel that particular double act worked very well for the first four episodes before... Uh, well, yeah, Angus Lenny, who I assume was only on a, um, a four-episode contract, suddenly decided to go and make friends with the Ice Warriors and couldn't be talked out of it um, and was unceremoniously killed in, in episode four. But uh, but for me, I have to say, I mean, and again, it's unusual for me to be a bit of a uh, optimist and upbeat, but I, I've got to say the pace of this didn't bother me in the slightest. And I, for once, at least, and didn't follow my own advice. I watched <laughs> two or three episodes in one go. Um, I, I saw the two animated episodes together back to back whilst I was on holiday recently. 
and again as just watching it on the iPad and I, I absolutely loved it I think this is probably the best animation that we've seen so far it's the third story yeah. um, and I think the third company to have taken on animating uh, missing episodes and, and and for me it really enhances uh, this story I can't see short of recasting the entire um, cast putting it on again how they're going to get anywhere close to the um, transmitted version apart from obviously finding the episodes and for me I, I, I appreciated the Ice Warriors in a completely new way and for me I they can't stop uh, animating episodes I want to see every single missing episode animated and uh, I, I think that would be wonderful yeah, well, what, what what struck me was was I mean I remember watching the invasion when uh, when that came out and they'd animated the episodes and I I remember thinking after the, the first anim- or episode one which was animated thinking you know I could watch the whole thing like this this is beautiful yes. it, it was dark yes. it was but I didn't get the same feeling with with, with this one I, this although it was it was perfectly serviceable and you know and like Stephen says they do a very good job on a very low budget um, I wanted to get back to the live action. Whereas... But what's the difference then? What's, it, what's the difference between the invasion? Is it because those episodes uh, are interspersed by two live-action episodes? No, no, no. It's, it's, um, it's the quality it, it, of the it's, animation. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not. Not. It's not so much the quality. It's. Uh, it, it's. It's the lighting. Yeah, I mean, to to a certain degree, it is the quality. But it seems to look uh, a bit more, a bit more basic uh, for the for the Ice Warriors. A, a bit more like it like a program that you could buy on your computer and you could almost do that yourself. Really? Yeah. Mm. I mean, that, that's, that, was the, that was the... So let me be clear. When I say they do a lot with a small budget, it's not really much of a compliment. I mean, <laughs> it really <laughs> does look like early 90s Flash animation. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's Scream the Schalke, right? It's that yeah. sort of level of... of uh, yeah, I know, I know guys who could have done better. this in their sleep. But. It's still it's still better than anything else that we've had before, certainly. No, and, and there was a, there was a lot sure. of criticism. It's not better than the invasion. I've seen Mission to the Unknown. You know the the Ian Levine animation, and yes. that's very very good. I, again, all all credit to the people who have done this. I'm very grateful to be able to see it. Mm. But up against um, uh, even Mission to the Unknown, up against um, the, the William Hartnell, the recent William Hartnell, Reign of Terror. Reign of Terror. Reign, yeah. Thank you. Up against Reign of Terror. I'm sorry, it's just not. The quality's oh. not the same. I, I thought it was considerably better than Reign of Terror. Um, really? Reign of Terror was, yeah, it, it was it was intercut. It, well, there were so many cut scenes. Um, it, every time someone was speaking, you had a camera change. Um, and it got quite a lot of, of criticism w- w- within fandom. I didn't find it as bad as, as, as a lot of fans did. And I found it perfectly watchable. And I, once again, I enjoyed the Reign of Terror in a way that I hadn't been able to prior to that DVD release. But for me, The Ice Warriors is great. And I, and I think what it is, is perhaps I am so... So technically incompetent. I know so little about animation. Stephen, you're talking about flash animation stuff that was, uh, you know, popular 20 years ago or you know, 10, 15 years ago. I don't know that. As, as, as far as I'm concerned, this is animation. It's um, it's just animation. It, it it's got moving pictures of characters that looked like the real life actors. So for me, it ticks my box. But perhaps I've got a very Low um, expectations. Well, I mean, you mean James, you can tell the difference between uh, you know a, a very nicely lit, very uh, well directed Doctor Who episode, live action Doctor Who episode, um, and the difference for me uh, between this and and the invasion, you know, it, it was the lighting and the atmosphere, and uh, I, I think 
what this animation was was lacking and i don't think it was any more uh, advanced really it's still the same kind of flash animation um was was the direction and 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 the lighting and and the mood that the the one the the invasion animation set were, were wonderful and like i say I, I remember thinking out loud uh, that I could watch this. I could watch but this. Does animation really set uh, yes. an atmosphere? I think yes. that's the story. No, I think no. that's the story. James, no, take a look no. at the the, uh, the the Ten Planet animation clips that were released. You know the the stuff that's coming that's coming soon, and that stuff I've, is just. I've got that, and I've not watched it yet. <laughs> I mean, it's just you'll 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 see the difference if you watch, when you watch something like that that's fully animated, um, and not just it's not just basically. I mean, essentially, the animation here is if you think about South Park. Which is just you know hmm. cut out cutouts that move uh, on a background, um, and that's what this animation is, and it's 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 fairly rudimentary. One of the extras is is marvelous. It's, it's the original trailer, which um, the team that animated oh, yeah. the, the the missing episodes have, have animated as well, uh, and and it's wonderful. It, it's. Uh, it's it's quite revolutionary uh, in, in in its style. It's um, specially shot um, sequences with the main actors, sort of describing their story. Um, you know, I, I'm Clinton, and this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to stop oh, the, right. the advancing, okay. and then you get um, uh, Peter Salas's character talking about he 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 disagrees with it, and he's become outcast. And they're sort of talking to, to the camera and, and explaining what's going on. And then and then it's uh, you know this new exciting episode of Doctor Who will. Um, will be on at five twenty-five on Saturday, and it's, it's kind of—I didn't realise that that they did those sorts of adverts for Doctor Who, and whether that was a one-off. I'm not sure if it was a one-off. I, I have a feeling there have been some other specially shot trailers as well. But you, you have to remember the time when this was broadcast. This was right at the height of the monster season uh, for the second Doctor. I mean, um, it was the abominable snowman that preceded this hmm. and uh, Tomb of the Cybermen before that and then Evil of the Daleks. And, hmm. you know, it, it sat in the middle of a season that, you know, was was thriving and it's arguable that it wasn't the stories and it wasn't Patrick Troughton that was drawing the audience it was the you know endless stream of inventive monsters well see when you when you say it like that when you when you say you see how it was nestled between those stories I mean Evil of the Daleks although I've only had the, the pleasure of seeing the the surviving episode and listening to the audio uh, and Tomb of the Sidemen, and it's they're, they're streets ahead of uh, of this one, in my opinion. What what the stories are, are better, yeah. superior. Yeah, the stories, the the pacing. Um, I mean, like I say, the characters in this are, are, are not bad, and and it's it's not a terrible story. It's 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 the pacing. It's another. It's a, it's a cliche. We trot it out, or I trot it out quite a lot. Is it's a six part? It didn't need to be a six part. Oh yeah, but that's that's again watching it with twenty first century eyes. It really is. Uh, time, no, and you and you, you would you would normally say here uh, also you know, if you watch it one episode every now and again. I know, and I'm and sorry I, I, to continually to, to say no, the same thing. But but, but I, I, I did that this time, and and it still felt. I mean, I God God forbid. I mean, I don't know how slow it would have felt if I'd watched it all in one go. I think these are the best Ice Warriors, personally, because they are evil. <laughs> they are out-and-out out evil. They're scheming, they're Machiavellian, they look scary. Uh, I think the costumes are, are fantastic. Something works having them set against you know black-and-white snow. It just adds an element of atmosphere uh, to the story. 
But uh, but for me, I, I don't think they've developed into the noble creatures that uh, we remember from the third Doctor's era. Yet. Yeah, I wanted to say that. I think all three of you had mentioned, you know, or, or uh, you had mentioned how the, the Monster of the Week format was working, and this here is an example of a fantastic monster creation. I mean, they are just, you know, mm-hmm. they, they the Ice Warriors are uh, so great in this. In this, I, I didn't find them sympathetic at all. I mean, they were warriors; they were ready to kill everyone. They just wanted to, you know, they 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 were. Uh, uh, yeah, ruthless. But they were. F- I mean, f- fantastic design. I mean, for the for the <laughs> uh, for a, a classic uh, a, a classic Doctor Who monster, uh, they just the design is is brilliant and the, the scales and everything. These huge imposing figures and the mouths worked a little bit funny, but that was okay. Um, you, you just you just accept all the things. But it's it's so great and they're, they they are uh, really wonderfully brought to life uh, in this story. And I, and I think that's probably one one of the reasons why I enjoyed it so much is because. They are great. There's there's lots about the story that I, that did not work for me, and the scavenger uh, side plot with the with um, uh, the other the other scientist. I don't know I don't know why, why that was there. You know, it was just a reason to have that scientist not there, um, but it wasn't. It never really fully um, uh, realized for me. But um, but the ice wars themselves are so great, and that's 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 what I enjoyed most about it. And and seeing all the interactions with them. so I, I, I've got to say, I, I do agree. Um, I, I understand where Tom's coming from, certainly in terms of the way the series is uh, developing. And season th- uh, season six, or series six, that you, you, you talked about, Tom, um, where the characters and the whole production feels a lot more assured, it's actually quite strange that it does, because the production <laughs> the production crew had changed. Um, and, and not only that, it had changed partway through season five as well. I mean, mm. Victor Pemberton uh, was script editor on Tomb of Simon, as far as I remember, and Peter Bryant came in, and then during that time you had Innes Lloyd uh, come into it. Terence Dix uh, took over from Derek Sherwin as well. I mean, it was pretty much a revolving door there, and the only consistent elements was Patrick Troughton and the monsters, uh, which is why I think you got a very assured performance from from Patrick Troughton. And you mentioned the invasion. I think that could be classed as a definitive Troughton story. It mm. is Patrick Troughton strutting his stuff, and everybody else plays. Even Tobias Form, who is a really strong villain, plays second fiddle to him. And uh, I, I just think that Troughton had began to lead the show by his last season, or, or by his third season. And um, I, I think we have a lot to be grateful for to, to some of the writers of, of season five. And I think that that series is my favourite Troughton series because of the monsters. You've got so many iconic stories. I mean, we we talked about the stories before Ice Warriors. It was followed by The Enemy of the World. You know, I, I quite like that story. But then you've got Web of Fear, Fury from the Deep and the Wheel in Space, which for me, I, I think you could say that season five is arguably one of the strongest seasons ever. So, do you know, I was, look, I was just looking at the... Uh, at that season so again uh, you know, listeners if you haven't worked it out um, season 5 Tomb of the Cybermen Abominable Snowmen Ice Warriors Enemy of the World Web of Fear Fury from the Deep and The Wheel in Space I was I was just trying to work out is the Ice Warriors the weakest story in that season <laughs> oh that, that that would be a very very harsh assertion I, I, I would probably say the Enemy of the World but having said that I really like the Enemy of the World as well no, do, do you know what? I, I, this, and this was my point. I don't think the Ice Warriors is the, is the weakest. In fact, weakest is the wrong way of, of phrasing that. I don't think Ice Warriors is the least strong. Um, <laughs> I would give the accolade to Fury from the Deep. I'm honest. Oh, the Sonic Screwdriver's debut. How? Oh, dear. But that does not, does not a classic make. I mean, just, just one occurrence. 
Oh, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, but then again, it's all very easy for Doctor Who fans to try and put things into lists. That's what we do continually, mm. I guess. Um, yeah. f- for me, trying to assess the Ice Warriors on its own merits is quite hard, uh, partially because of its reputation. Uh, and, and Tom, I know you've uh, had issues with that with Genesis of the Daleks that we've discussed oh, dear, in the dear. past. Yeah. yeah. But um, it, it's really hard to watch a show objectively sometime when perceived fandom wisdom is, is so vocal and it's so strong. Um, and Ice Warriors is, is has got a good reputation. Uh, I would say that I don't think it's the best story, and it, it's not as good as his reputation. I think Victoria's uh, characterization in this story is actually pretty dire, and <laughs> I would say it, it, it must be it must have been quite embarrassing to perform some of those lines because Victoria does absolutely nothing uh, apart from wine, get captured, wine some more and by the time we get to the end of episode 6 she's told to go back to the TARDIS off camera and that's mm. the last we see of her for that story and that pretty uh, much sums she, up her role. Apparently <laughs> she wasn't story. available to finish filming so they told her to go back to the TARDIS. She, wasn't she, available. She How commit. can you not be available? <laughs> I know. I don't know. That's what it says on. That's what it says on Wikipedia. So who knows? Oh but, well, must yeah. be must be right then. Yeah, but. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I have a question. I have a question for you guys. Um, uh, that will, uh, for some of our listeners who are not as versed in classic, <clears throat> I'm talking about myself. Um, so uh, <laughs> um, the the Ice Warriors. The name the Ice Warriors is sort of an offhand remark by uh, by the the main guy, the main baddie at the beginning, um, and it sort of sticks with them. Is it ever ever that do they ever call themselves that? Do they ever give themselves a real name? No, they talk about the Ice Warriors talk about themselves in terms of clan names. Um, we call them the Ice Warriors, but they talk about their own clans. They talk, they, they have in, uh, unusually for early Doctor Who monsters. They they've, they 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 have their own names. Um, yeah. So hmm. what I think what's hard for us is that with degraded audio and very similar costumes, so it's it's perhaps difficult to. Uh, to distinguish one from another, but no, the ice warriors. The ice warriors call them uh, very, very clear about who they are and what they are. They are Martians. They belong to set, to set clans. They have a very, um, a very set hierarchy as well. So they're a very interesting and very well designed monster. And it's it's as well that they return later in the show's history. Yeah, to... they, they've always had names. Even the ice lords, I think. Mm, um, yeah. as, as uh, they've always had names. Um, can't remember what half of them are now. But uh, this one, you've got Vargas. <laughs> That's Ooh. it. Thank you. Whoever that was, I don't Ooh, know who fuck. that was. It was me. Sorry, it's Tom. <laughs> it was you. Uh, but but you're right. They they certainly stand out from the normal monsters. I did all of the warriors in subsequent stories have names too. Um, they see. If I if I just reach out with my memory, I believe they do. I believe they do. I think you're right. Actually, I I think you're right. Even the ice warrior or ice lord in Cold War. Yeah, well. well, this um, this idea of the clans and the uh, and the names is really sort of fleshed out in Cold War, isn't it? Because he's he's Marshal mm. Shaldak, isn't he? Well done. Uh, yeah, yeah there Skaldak. you go. Yeah, Skaldak. Uh, Skaldak. <laughs> but um, even better done. But yeah. but yeah, but they but they're never given they're never given a species name. So there's never there's never they're any, Martians. They're ice warriors. They're Martians. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yes. I'm an Earthen. I'm a Terran. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> but, but, I mean, looking at this, we've got um, Rintan, Turok, and Varga. So yeah, yeah they're, they're, mm. they're, they're definitely there. I mean, how can I put it? it it's one of those things, I think with videos like this, with DVDs like this, 
to entertain a kind of preaching to the converted, we are going to buy this. I'm going to buy it because mm. I know it's it's a story with missing episodes, and I know it's Patrick Troughton. I'm going to buy it. Would I recommend this to any to someone who has got no experience of Patrick Troughton? Actually, no, I wouldn't. No. I'd say um, have a look at the invasion first. I'd say mm. have a look at um, Tomb of the Cybermen first. And if you're still hungry after that, maybe have a look at. Um, Oh, the, the 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 land of fiction one. God, I'm good today, aren't mind, I? The mind <laughs> robber. The mind robber. The mind yeah. robber. So, mm. so don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with this, but there are better Trout and DVDs if you don't ha- if you don't already if you don't have any. Yeah. If you have the rest of them, well, you'll do what I did. You'll just buy it when you see it. Uh, <laughs> 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 yes. No, I, I think I think you're right. I mean, there are things for fans to pick out here. Uh, which the casual viewer is is not going to be that interested in, and and again, I mean, you you worked your way through some of the Ice Warriors there, Tom uh, Turok, Sonny Caldene. I don't know if I've said his name correctly, mm-hmm. but uh, he appears in all of the sixties and seventies Ice Warrior stories, uh, and he actually appeared as a separate character in Evil of the Daleks as well. Mm. Um, but he he's very successful now. He's got lots of film credits uh, after his name. He's, he's he was in Man of the Golden Gun, apparently. Raiders yes. of the Lost Ark, Fifth Element, um, and and again, I, I've seen him interviewed. There's there's quite extensive interviews with him on the Seeds of Death DVD, which is the sequel to. Oh, Ice that's Warriors. another one. It, oh, it's brilliant, and I, it's the more superior black and white Ice Warrior story as well. Absolutely, um, I, I think much more interesting. The pace is is much faster, so, so should hold all of your interest um, that much more. And uh, it, it's got Zoe instead of, um, of, of Victoria, and again, much more developed and rounded character in every. Yes, way. yes. But no, no, it, it's, it's, it's. Don't get me wrong. I was glad to. I was glad to see it on the shelf. I. I. I was happy to pay, to hand over the money for it. And I sat there with. And I sat there with a silly smile on my face, thinking, "Look, this is great." But from a from from a purely aesthetic point of view, from the from the point of view of enjoying it as an entertainment, I think it was lacking because I know there's there's better Trout and stories out there, and there's better Ice Warrior stories mm. out there. Um, for what it is, yeah, okay, it's great. If you if you've got a load of other Trout and DVDs, buy this as well because you're going to. If you haven't, you might want to start your search somewhere else. Well, on that slightly negative note, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll round off our review of the Ice Warriors DVD and uh, we'll move into a review of another story with more cold-blooded monsters in. Over to Ian and Michelle, who are talking Silurians this week. Big finish with Ian and Michelle from across the Atlantic Ocean. Ian from the UK and Michelle from the United States. Reviewing Big Finish. Sorting out the wheat from the chaff and nonsense. Saving you money on the ones that are not so good. So continuing the reptilian theme, uh, Michelle and I are looking at the Sixth Doctor main range story, Blood Tide. This is an early story from Big Finish where the Doctor and Evelyn land in the 1800s on the Galapagos Islands and find some quite momentous events taking place around them. Charles, but what you're saying, it's, it's beyond blasphemy. What? That man is the result not of divine providence but the struggle for survival? Oh, we assume that the abundance of nature is proof of the Lord's existence. But what if that is not so? What if our existence is just the result of blind chance? 
Yes, as you say, Ian, this is one of the earliest main range releases from Big Finish. This is number 22 and takes us all the way back to 2001. You know, I really enjoyed the first two parts of this four-part story. They get to spend time with Charles Darwin as he explores things like how the beaks of the finches are different and the turtles are different on each of the islands, and they get to experience him coming to grips with this this theory of natural selection that is beginning to develop in his mind. And my goodness, those Silurians have a lot in common with human beings. And and he begins to think about, you know, how life forms repeat themselves. And and, and that element of this story I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed those same things with Charles Darwin. And as he's mentally exploring these ideas, uh, the conflict within him with his religious beliefs, I was really pleased to see because a lot of people put Charles Darwin out there as being this sort of champion of atheism. And the truth is that for a lot of his life, he was very conflicted about it. And it certainly wasn't a black and white issue for him. I like the idea that we begin to maybe explore some of his doubts, but I I don't like it when a Doctor Who story crosses into rewriting or misrepresenting history, and I think it might be doing that here. There is a crucial sequence in here that hinges on him coming to the conclusion and stating very decidedly, there is no God. While I enjoyed the, you know, the exploration of, of doubt and faith and evolution and natural selection, I, I don't like taking a historical figure and putting words in their mouth that they probably wouldn't have said. That, that crosses a boundary for me. Moving on to the broader story, I found it to be an entertaining story uh, that went a lot of good pace. Colin and Evelyn were both on good form. There were a few other notes that jarred for me here and there, but they, they were mostly minor ones. For, for example, the, the Spanish accents in the early episodes mm-hmm. were horrible. And, and sounded like Manuel from Faulty Towers. I mean, really over-the-top, fake Spanish accents that I found really irritating. That, for me, was another big problem. One of the eh, sub-themes, if you... Well, no, it was actually a prominent theme in this story, was, you know, which species is superior, which species is inferior, which class of human beings is superior and inferior. The governor of this little town on the Galapagos was put up partly as a villain because he looked down on these Spanish characters. And yet... In the context of the story, these folks with the Spanish accents had a terrible characterization. I mean, the the brother was mad the whole time, and the sister was just about overcome with panic and fear. Doctor, what's going to happen to us? Don't worry. I don't think we'll have very long to wait. What do you mean? And as you say, they were tremendously annoying. They didn't get to be real people. But in all honesty, the, the female character who kind of became a... Uh, a substitute companion for a while, who I think was only there, so the doctor had someone to talk to on audio. By the middle of the second episode, I actually said, I hope she gets eaten by a lizard man. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't take any more of her. Yeah, so that bothered me. Uh, go ahead, go on, go on, go on. I'm going to rant on this one. And uh, the other thing that really hit me was that there was an awful lot of retconning going on around the Silurians. That they, they were, in places, very vicious and sadistic. And they never were like that in the other stories, uh, and there's some new character elements that were brought in around their supposed history, which really, really clash and jar with every other presentation of the Silurians that we've seen. That uh, Within the context of the story, they gave it an interesting dynamic and it was an interesting journey. But when you step back and look at the broader story of the Silurians, they make no sense. And I wasn't very comfortable with, with the, the, the retrospective continuity that was being done, I suppose in a similar way to what was being done with Charles Darwin. And there was this entire settlement on on the island that is essentially wiped out. And it, the Silurians release this this bacteria that kills every human being except the newborns. 
Look, how did the bacteria perform in the test? It was most satisfactory. The plague spread rapidly throughout the settlement. All but the newborn have now been destroyed. And then at the end of the story, the doctor uh, and everybody else leave. And apparently whatever newborns survived that virus have just been left to die in that, in that settlement. So a little bit of a hanging plot point. One thing I did find very interesting in this is that at one point the doctor is uh, with the Silurians and as tends to happen in all of these stories, he gets into the there should have been another way speech, which John Pertwee used to do and Peter Davidson famously did. And when Colin gives essentially the same speech, he comes over as condescending and, and snippy and is, is almost looking down on the Silurians for not being as enlightened as he thinks they should be, which I thought was a very interesting counterpoint to the different characterizations of the Doctor. One of the things I did like about the story was, was the Sixth Doctor. I didn't have any problem with him. And while I always like Evelyn, I have to say I think she was terribly underused in this. She spends, gosh, it seems like at least an episode, if not more, locked in a cell with Charles Darwin just talking. <laughs> um, she does have a little bit to do to resolve the plot at the end, but boy, she sure doesn't do much in this one. And I think the story itself, if you just listen to it and go through it and don't think of the broader implications, is an entertaining story. But it, it's hard to not see the, the way it clashes with external factors and have that colour it. I probably like this one less than most of the other big finishes I've ever listened to. Thank you, Ian and Michelle. So, uh, listeners, you might remember from a few weeks back, uh, Lisa and I threw out a little competition for a signed Caves of Androzani soundtrack. Uh, we are ready to pull the winner. So, uh, so Leeson, can you give us a uh, can you give us a random number generator? Uh, no, Tom's got <laughs> Tom. Tom's got one. Tom's got one. Hey, Tom. Tom's got it. Tom. <laughs> Seventeen. Seventeen. Okay. That entry says, well, I'd say one eye in the word Androzani, at least in every reference I can find. Yes, because we, we didn't actually say what the question was, did we? Oh, no. How many now eyes you... are in Androzani? Yes. Yes, we like asking difficult questions here. Well, this entry is correct. There is one eye in Androzani. And the winner is... Drum roll, please. Or lots of saliva. That will do as well. Tom Lozineski. Now, I probably massacred your name there, Tom, and I do apologise. That's you know, all right. <laughs> yeah, why can't they all have straightforward names with just two syllables? Um, but, Tom, you live in Illinois in the US, and uh, a signed copy of the Caves of Androzani original soundtrack released by Silver Screen, uh, it's signed by Roger Lim, the composer uh, for the music of that story, will be on its way to you. Well done, Tom. Congrats. It's a pre Wonderful. it's a premium rate uh, email service, by the way. So this is why we make the questions so easy. So hopefully you've made a decision about whether or not to invest in the Ice Warriors, and you may even expand your horizons to look at the Silurians episodes. I personally am going to revisit both of those, because I think they're quite fab. Um, right, so next episode will be 228, I think, um, and what we'll be doing is we'll be looking at one of the burning issues, which is, if I remember this correctly, 
does the lead actor in Doctor Who actually have to do any acting? And for the, um, just, just to frame this, uh, we can look at, um, on the one side of this argument, and I won't say which side, you've got someone like Tom Baker, and then on the other side of this argument, you have someone maybe like uh, David Tennant. So I won't tell you where, where I think they are positioned within that <laughs> continuum, um, but that, but they are they are the two the two men who will uh, f- help me frame that question. Mm. Well, I very much look forward to, to discussing that. It's not something I think we've really touched on before, so I think it's quite a nice way to end our latest series of burning issue episode. And in the meantime, then we've just got to say goodbye from the four of us from the very first time in the camper van. We get away with it, guys. Where's my mug? No, we're still making crockery jokes. <laughs> I, I, have, I have no idea where your mug is. I have no idea what happened to your mug, I swear. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it's sounding a bit guilty now. <laughs> What's that in your pocket, Stephen? What's that in your pocket? Why'd you put a mug in a pocket? Is that a mug in your pocket? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a mug. <laughs> Bye for now, listeners. Speak to you next week. Bye. Cheerio. Bye. keep that up you've been listening to the doctor who podcast with james tom Stephen, and leeson you can find more episodes of the show at the doctor who podcast.com or check us out on twitter facebook or drop by the doctor who podcast forums and say hi thanks for listening take care <laughs>